0: Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. Our next gathering is Advance, on the 23rd and the 24th of September. We have special guests, Lily and Abe Defen Kent Maddox and Trevor Baker. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go, here is the message. Now, if you've got an impossible situation in your life, you've come to the right place. Because God is the God who turns your impossibility into his possibility. Isn't that good? You know, if you're in a place this morning of extremity, and listen, there are people here this morning, and you're in a place of deep extremity, well, let me tell you, you've just set yourself up for one of God's possibilities. Come on, give him praise this morning. Listen, we don't need to get worked up. We need to get to a place of responding. There's a difference. You can easily get worked up and never respond. You know, you see that. I believe that we're seeing in our nation today, we're seeing people getting worked up But in the end, there's no response. You know, we see it all week. I don't know about you, but I believe that what's before our eyes is a prophetic allegory. That is a situation that is taking place that has immense spiritual implications to it. A nation is going to mourn at a body of a queen that has no power. She is a ceremonial head, and the Lord says, The church has become a ceremony, the church has become a place where people go to pay respect. But in the end, there is no power. But God says, I am about to take the crown and place it upon my bride and my bride will move into a place of great authority. Into a place where she is no longer pushed to the outskirts but she will come right into central place because the times of celebrating powerless monarchs is over. And I am bringing in the rule and the reign of heaven to those who will respond, to those who will make a movement in order to see what I will do. So there is an opportunity for you to come to the place where you are in extremity because I'm about to move and release my possibility. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you, but I believe the king of kings is the one who wants to rule over his people. Did you hear what I said? His people. And when his people move into the place that he has for them, that's when they become the head and not the tail. It is always the case. Don't look at the world and what's going on in the world. Start looking at the church and what is going on in the church because the church is the place where the king of kings rules and reigns. And through the church, he causes his rule and his reign to be extended. And his rule and his reign is one of justice and it is one of love. Isn't that right? And so that's what we need to come into. Listen, if you want to celebrate, celebrate. If you want to mourn, mourn. If you want to pay respect, pay respect. But let us also not be caught up in the moment and realize that what we are doing is only to a figurative position in our nation that has very little power you know monarchs in this country are pushed to the edge while the politicians make all the decisions that is not the kingdom of heaven do you understand that that is not the kingdom of heaven and I've got news for you this morning the king is passing by that's what the word that God has been putting on my heart all week You know, we often go to this time because next week is Rosh Hashanah. That is the beginning of the biblical year of the king. It's where kings in the scriptures are looked to from the beginning of their reign. And so Rosh Hashanah is always about the king. That's why we have words of the king is in the field. And often we go to places like Ruth. And the redemptive purpose of God with the kingsman, redeemer. And so we often look there. But I believe that there is another picture where the king is in the field. And I believe the king is in the field for no greater time than this. This is a time when the king is coming into the field. I've been so impressed this week from the book of Ezekiel. It's not the place where you look for a king to be in the field. But let me tell you, there is a king who's in the field. There is a king who comes into the field, and he comes into the field of helplessness, and he comes into a field of hopelessness. And in that field of helplessness, where there is no one, he comes as the only one. Come on, give him praise this morning. Did you hear that? He comes as the only one. And there's so often we look at situations, we look at who is going to come next. But let me tell you, this King, whose name is Jesus Christ, who carries the title of King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is the one who is passing by. He is the one who brings us back to life. He is the one who passes by and releases his love upon us. He is the one that in that love he showers on us. Grace in multiple dimensions. And I'm going to show you this morning how his love releases multiple dimensions of moving us into the place that he wants us to be. That is in close proximity. No, he wants us to be in union with him. Not coming and paying homage, not coming to a king who is dead or a monarch who is dead, but coming and realizing that this king, whose name is Jesus, is alive and he rules. And he reigns by his authority and he sits in the heavens and he looks upon us and he makes judgments upon our lives and towards our lives that are always in our favor. If you don't believe me, read the book of Daniel again. Because in Daniel he makes decisions in favor of the saints. And so we need to come today, we need to allow what is taking place to take our eyes off the earthly and to move them into a heavenly gaze. And as we move them into a heavenly gaze, I believe that we will see the church moving as he wants it to move without all the titles of whether it's this church, that church, whether you're charismatic, whether you're Anglican, Methodist, Baptist, but the church, the church who are blood-bought by the Lord Jesus Christ, the church who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, the church that carries the authority of the name of Jesus Christ, over it the church who knows how to wage warfare in that realm so that God's rule may come into this realm because so often we're waging war in this realm and the battle rages in that realm and we need to turn things around and we need to be flipped God needs to turn us so that in being turned we move into all that he has for us because let me tell you the church has a great future hallelujah No, it doesn't have a great future. It has a glorious future. The church of Jesus Christ is the one that he has bestowed and is pleased to bestow his glory upon so that that church moves in power like it once did, but I believe God is going to be restoring to us, restoring to a remnant of people that same power The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, don't tell me this morning that you're sitting here and you're moving in the supernatural power of heaven in all its fullness, all its glory. I don't believe you. If it was, things would be different. But I believe, God says, there is a difference coming. There is a day of difference. There is a day, and in the day of difference, it will also be a day of division. That is, I will separate. I will separate those who no longer are prepared to go through the ritual, go through the religious, but those who are wanting to move into the supernatural, those who are wanting to move in obedience to the throne of heaven, because when you move in obedience to the throne of heaven, you get to do my bidding. Hallelujah. Who wants to do the Lord's bidding today? See, this is the time to respond. This isn't the time. This isn't the time just to release our quaint praise to the Lord. Praise is great. It ushers in his presence. But listen, we can end there, and God wants us to move much further. See, we enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, so so that we may come to the very throne of heaven. And when we come to that throne, all flesh bows down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is none that's left standing. As they come and they see the wonder and the mystery of this God who gave everything for us. Isn't that awesome? Bowed his face down to the earth and said, I'll have that one. And I'll have that one. And then he says, no, I'll have anyone who will respond to my love. So turn, will you? in your bibles this morning to ezekiel chapter 16 it's probably a chapter that you don't read too often you know it sometimes you you read passages of scripture and it's like what is this about you read passages of scripture goodness me can you really read these things out you know that's what scripture is like because god wants to move us out of the places that we're in to the places where he is that's why he is passing by Listen, this morning I believe that God is passing by. He's passing by our nation. I believe this is a time when God can notice us as a nation. Not when kings and queens and dignitaries come in and notice us because we are laying to rest a monarch, but God. But God comes, and when God comes, he comes and he notices. He notices nations. He notices people. He notices situations. And he comes and he says, but when I pass by, things will be different afterwards. Listen, I want you to know this morning that God is looking not for for you just to go out of here this morning. He's looking for you to go out of here, and tomorrow your life will be different. The way you live your life will be different. It won't be the same. All the things that you've carried up to this point, God says, I will deal with. If you will only learn to respond to me and not respond to all the voices that you hear in the world. God says, my voice silences every voice. And because you listen to the voices of this world, because you listen to these voices until they become so ingrained in you. Then you hear my voice and my voice seems so inferior and foreign. Because you've listened to the voices that chunter and chant, offering you better, and in the end you get worse. But God says, I'm about to utter my voice for those who will hear. And it is time, not as a teaching, so that you stand on your watch, you quieten your hearts, you hear what I will say, and you write it down. Those days are over, says the Lord, because it's not a formula it's a relationship that I want. And God says this morning, in that relationship you will learn to hear my voice. Not from a formula, but by spending time in my presence. Because in my presence truly is fullness. Fullness of joy. And at my right hand are pleasures. They want... let. Let me tell you this, the Lord wants you to know this morning, it's not the pleasure of a new house, it's not the pleasure of a new job, it's not the pleasure of a new car, it's the pleasure of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who is at the right hand of the Father. Everything that our Heavenly Father does, it's so that we direct our gaze to His right hand. And at the right hand sits the one who extends His hand towards us. You know rightly did Isaiah say in 59:16 when he said, I look for a man who would intercede and I found none, but my arm brought salvation. Hallelujah. See that is the very hand of God that was formed into the person of the Lord Jesus. Are you with me this morning? Listen, this will be a liberating message. This will be a message that can shift you out of the place that you've been in. It's a message that will allow you, whatever state you've been in. Do you remember David? And I'll talk about him in a moment. But you remember David? And he sleeps with Bathsheba. And they have a son. A son out of the adulterous relationship. And so the son becomes sick. And David gets on his face in the dirt. He won't eat anything. He realizes that he must do all that he can do. But in the doing of the prayer, in the doing of throwing himself into the dirt, nothing happens. And the child dies. Listen to me. Sometimes God allows things to die. Because... They have been produced by unrighteous and sinful motives and they must die. And David is there and he's, he's in the dust and he's weeping and the servants begin to m- talk amongst themselves and David realizes something has happened. David realizes that the child has died. And do you know what it says? And David got up from the dirt. Let me tell you, friends, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, this morning, it is time to get up from the dirt. Did you hear what I said? It's time to get up from the dirt. Whatever it is that you've gone into, don't tell me that your life is on fire and yet there are these things going on because the fire consumes everything. See, we have to be real. And in this time where everybody Everybody in this nation is being focused on one place. We have to come to a place of reality again in our lives. In Ezekiel 16, let me just read to you this story. It's an allegory. That is, it has, it's, it's a concrete story, but it has so much meaning to us. Far beyond the natural. And so here, listen to what it says. The Lord, uh, let me just pick it up from a place where you'll understand it. Here it is. On the day that you were born, your cord was not cut. Nor were you washed with water. Or nor were you rubbed with salt or wrapped in clothes. No one looked on you with pity ...or had compassion. They didn't have enough to do any of these things for you. Rather, you were thrown into the open field. The king is in the field. You were thrown into the open field. For on that day that you were born, you were despised. Then I passed by, and I saw you kicking about... In your blood. And as you lay there in your blood. I said to you. Live. I made you grow like a plant in the field. The king is in the field. You grew up and developed. And became the most beautiful of jewels. Your breasts were formed. And your hair grew. And you were naked and bare. Later. I passed by. And when I looked at you, I saw that you were old enough or at the age for love. Isn't that a wonderful passage? And I spread the corner of my garment over you and I covered your nakedness. And I gave you my solemn oath and I entered into a covenant with you, declares the Sovereign Lord. And you became mine think of that you became mine. we've been singing all of this this morning you became his he entered a covenant with you i bathed you with water i washed the blood from you and put ointments on you anointings on you I clothed you with an embroidered dress. I put leather sandals on you. I dressed you with fine linen, covered you with costly garments. I adorned you with jewelry. I put bracelets on your arms and a necklace around your neck. And I put a ring in your nose, earrings on your ears, and a beautiful crown on your head. So you were adorned with gold and silver, your clothes were of fine linen, costly fabric, embroidered cloth, your food was the finest of wheat, honey and olive oil, and you became beautiful and rose to be a queen, and your fame spread amongst the nations on account of your beauty, because of the splendor I had given you and made you beautiful and And perfect declares the Sovereign Lord. What a passage. I've just been absorbing these words in the face of all that's going on and realizing just what God has done for us as his church. He wants to move us into a new place. He wants to bring us into a place where we realize he is passing by. You know, in this story that Ezekiel is recounting, Ezekiel is the prophet of transcendence. That is, he talks to us about this heavenly realm. He talks to us about this God who is so far separated, transcends this realm. But there are times when he comes and he connects this transcendent God with one who's imminent, who comes amongst us as the Emmanuel, who sees what needs to be seen, who sees the depths to which our lives have got to, and yet he wants to raise us up because he never leaves us as the outcast in the field. When the king is in the field, let me tell you, things change. See, we can often look at the king in the field as this This redeemer, kinsman, redeemer. But there is something far greater than all of this. See, I do believe that so many of us, we, we stop at the place. We stop at the place where he passes by and he sees us kicking around in our blood. Now listen, you have to understand, this is not just the afterbirth. This is when God talks about blood being upon us. He's talking about sin. He's talking about sin in our lives. You see it when he created Adam. And after Adam, there was Cain and Abel. And he talks there, the blood of your brother cries up from the ground. And so here, he's talking about this stain of blood, which can only be removed by the blood of the spotless Lamb of God. Hallelujah. And so here you move on from that because God wants to do a new thing. He wants to bring people out from slavery and he wants to bring them into his place, His presence where his manifest glory can come down. And what does it say of Moses? You are a man of blood to me. Why? Because he wouldn't circumcise his son and because of that the sin which he had committed by not putting the mark of covenant upon his son, needed to be removed. And so Zipporah took a flint knife, circumcised the son, and threw it at Moses' feet and said, this is what should have happened. And then you go from there. I want you to get a picture of what it means when the Bible here is talking about blood because so often we don't look at it in the terms of sin. We look at it in the terms of covering. But here it is, and again, you look at David. David just becomes king, and what does he do? He sleeps with Bathsheba, And what does it say? You are a man of blood, and the blood of Uzziah will stick to you. And so again, there needs to be an atonement. So we come into kingdom. It is always the case that we easily slip back. And I believe this morning God says, but I'm passing by. And so here, the day I passed by you, and I saw you kicking around in your blood, and I said to you, live and we come into this new life in the Spirit, where we come into that life. I have come that you might have life, and that you have it in all its abundance. You have it in it all its fulfillment. Let me tell you, this morning you will have an opportunity to respond To move out of the place that you're in. To move into a place that God wants you to be. So that you can receive that life. You can know what it is to be washed and cleansed. When no one else will wash you. No one else will cover you. He comes as the only one. He comes. And no sin, however deep it is, will stop him. Coming to you. Isn't that amazing? Even the chief of sinners, he won't stop because the stain is too deep. See, he comes when there is no one. He comes. Do you remember the man who was at the gate beautiful? See, you can be here this morning sitting at the gate beautiful. It looks good. But you're just waiting for some supernatural encounter with God. Let me tell you, you don't have to wait for a supernatural encounter with God. Every time he touches your life is a supernatural encounter. We don't need to wait for some stirring of this or some stirring of that. We don't need to be stirred inside. We just need to respond to his encounter. And at the gate, beautiful, there was a man. And he says to him, do you want to get well? He says what? I have no one. Hear that word again? No one. See, there's only one who can identify with you this morning. There's only one who comes into that helpless place. The king is in the field. And you can look for every other way out of the field, but there isn't any. Except the king pick you up and carry you out that's the only way out of the field that's the only way that you can come into his glorious presence as you step into his hands and so it's so easy see we we get to the point where we start to live and we start to enjoy and yet there comes a time again he comes to pass by Why? The only reason I can fathom out from writing this is because so often there are things that stick to us. There are things that we engage in in life and also things that engage with us that causes us to move to a place where we need God to pass by again. Listen, God doesn't give up just because we get out of the way of his presence and so here he comes again when i read those words again this week reading it on monday says and later i pass by see how much later is it for you how much later is it for you see what were you like what was i like nearly 50 years ago What was I like when he passed by and he said, Trevor, live. I've noticed you. Let me tell you this morning, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and you're in this place, I want you to know this morning that he says to you, live. 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 And if you respond to him, you'll have life. You'll have life. You'll have the life that he wanted for you. It will be a life where you're able to go through whatever this world throws at you. And you'll go through rejoicing. Listen, I'm not telling you that you will go through this life knowing that there are no things that are going to afflict you. I'm not telling you that you're going to lay your head down on some silken couch or pillow every night. But let me tell you, you can lay on his breast every night. Whatever situation you're in. And you can hear the beat of God as your life becomes centered in him again. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's when... The king is in the field. Not when he's in the coffin, when he's in the field. The field is the place where we live. That's the place where he comes. And he's not coming to pay homage to us. He is coming to deliver us. Just like Lazarus, you brought me back to life. See, But it's so easy. And he has to come and pass by us again. He has to come and take us out of our places of isolation. Listen, the church needs to come into a new place. Needs to come into a new place where we're no longer separated and isolated. Where it is on a Sunday, we gather here for prayer. But let me tell you, I believe prayer needs to become a central theme in the life of this church. Did you hear me? See, that needs a response. And when there's prayer, when there's a call for prayer, we're not sitting at home doing some other menial things in our field. We need to be in his field. Would you agree with me that prayer is a place where the king is in the field? And yet so often we're missing. Listen, we have to respond realistically. Not emotionally, not because we've been worked up to a pitch so we can quickly move in and say, yes, amen. But we move in to that place where having looked at it, we decide that this is the way. I have decided to follow Jesus. So simple. The world behind me, the cross before me. Why do you know the cross is before you? Because the cross cancels out every cord of self-interest. Because that's what keeps us out. Self-interest. We have other interests that are more important than the interests of heaven. That's what prayer brings us into. But he's passing by. He's passing by. He's passing by every heart here this morning. And he wants a response. Why? Because not like some earthly monarch that carries no power, this king carries all power. And when he asks for response, it isn't Just a verbal agreement, but it's a heart that has counted the cost and lays its life down. That's what I'm talking about. That's what it's about. And so the king is passing by. And in this time where he's passing by, he wants to shower you, not with life again listen when he gives you life he gives it you freely eternally god doesn't take his life away from you but so often in the living of the life we lose his love and he comes and he says but this time i'm passing by and it's because i see you and you're at the age of love you're at a place of maturity but still there is the field that again you're isolated you feel inferior you feel inadequate because of the place that you've come into but you see love doesn't leave us at that place see whatever you are this morning love does not leave you at that place Love comes to do something for you, not to give you life, but cause that life to well up again in you where you experience his love for you, where you experience the fullness of his love for you. Whatever situation you're going through, whatever circumstance you're going through, whatever it is that's taking place in the field of this world that you've been in, he comes to you this morning. And as he comes to you, he says, this time I'm passing by. And it's a time of love. It's a time when it's what I'm going to do, not what you're going to do. But you have to respond. You see, and, and all the time, we need to get back to a place. Do you remember those days? Do you remember those days here, Ryan, Anna? Others of you here, those days where response was so easy. And then we come to a place and we think, I heard people even saying, why do they it's the same people who are always responding? I think so. Is that is that wrong? Well well why do they keep responding? They keep seem to go down for the same thing time and time again. So? How many times have you needed to wash your hands to get the soil off them? Sometimes once isn't enough. If you don't believe me, ask the man who was blind, who needed to come back again. Ask a woman who after three years of coming down to the front, every time we had a renewal meeting, would come down. And as she came down, she would just squeal in pain that nobody knew what she was carrying. And after three years, she came down to the front one evening. And as she walked, somebody reached out their hand and touched her again. And as they touched her, as she walked past, she screamed like I have never heard anyone scream from that day to this. And she said these words the following week. That time, things changed. That time, the skin that had grown over, the wound that the arrow had pierced into my heart, the last piece of flesh was pulled away. The arrowhead became visible. The pain, the bitterness that had entered my life. And the Lord just took his hand and he pulled the arrowhead out. See, the arm of man is short, but God's arm is not short. He pulled it out and she said these words. So when you see people coming down to the front time and time again, just rejoice that they're still in that process of God dealing with them. Don't criticize them. Don't make comments about them. Because this woman, 25 years later, this is what she said. See, the king is passing by, and it's a time for love. And she said 25 years ago, on Christmas Eve, sorry, Boxing Day, day after Christmas, Her son went missing. They found him three days later. Hanging from a tree who'd been sexually abused. That was pain. An arrow pierced her heart that no hand could touch. For three years, God bathed this woman in his love. Three years went by every time. I heard so many people criticize her. So many people going, what's going on with that woman? That's all she ever does, goes to the front and screams out and she scurries out the door. But there is no pain that he doesn't know. See, the king is in the field. See, in his time is a time of love and I passed by you and your time was a time for, your breasts were formed. What does that speak of? It speaks of this. It speaks of one who's come to a place of maturity but she has no identity. She's reached a place of maturity. Your hair has grown. You know from scripture, a woman's hair is a glory. So now she's reached a place of maturity and she's reached a place where there is glory upon her once again. You see, to say live. Is not enough. We have to come to the place where love begins to shower us with God's grace upon our lives. And it isn't just a second opportunity of grace, it is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. It's response upon response upon response upon response. And then something happens. Glory breaks out. The pain that was there. Is removed. See if you're carrying an arrowhead. I told that story once and I thought, Lord, nobody could have gone through anything like that in this room. And at the end of the meeting a woman came up to me and said, Trevor, that was the most liberating message I'd heard. She said, because you've known me for a number of years. And I had. But I didn't know the fact that her daughter had been taken into hospital at the age of 12. And under anesthetic, she never came out. And she said, That was a wound that had gone deeply into my heart. And she said, but that night when you mentioned it, I responded and God did the same for me. And I'm totally, totally liberated. You See, we don't know. We don't know each other, do we? We don't know the depths in each other's hearts. And listen, sometimes that is okay because it shows to us that there's only one who can touch us. And we can't go to the arm of flesh, me and you, because sometimes it fails us. But his hand never fails. It never gives up. His love never fails never gives up just keeps reaching down to us whatever it is you need he keeps pulling it back pulling it back until it's exposed enough until we allow that situation in our life to become exposed enough where he can take his fingers of his hands and pull that out let me tell you the king is in the field Jesus is passing by and it is a time of love. It's the time of covenant cleansing because he says again, later I pass by, listen, and I saw that you were old enough for love. You were now at a place of maturity where I could do things that I couldn't do back then. What you needed to know was life, but now you've reached a place of maturity. There are things that I can do in this place of maturity, in this place where you have the ability to become fruitful. You have the ability to release my glory in this place. I can now do things that I couldn't do in that place. So I'm passing by again. Will you respond this morning? Will you respond? With your deepest need. The part in your life that no one else may know about. But don't hide it from Him. Don't say, again, I have no one to help. While I am trying. Listen, God doesn't want you to try. That's the deceit of the enemy. You try, and it's just put down to your work. You let him do it, and it's his grace. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, his grace is sufficient for our every need. Because his grace is made perfect in what? In my strength? No. In our weakness. Because when I am weak, then I am Strong. How strong are you this morning? Really, how strong? Listen, you can respond this morning in that place of weakness, that place of weakness in your life, and let me tell you, you can receive an empowering of his presence because that is what listening to his voice is able to do. Not all the other stuff we pick up, but listening to his voice. Do you know his voice? I'm not talking about his master's voice that you stick on a record and you listen to. I'm talking about his voice. Do you know it? Do you know his whisper? Do you know his shout? Either will do. But I would rather his whisper, because that means I'm in close proximity to him shout, he can call me right across the room. But with a whisper, you have to be in close proximity to hear the whispers. You've heard these messages before. But do you hear his voice? Is he speaking to you? Is he speaking into that deep place in your heart? Sometimes we don't even know where it is. You like that? Sometimes it's so deep we don't know where it is, but there is something there that we know just causes us to be out of alignment, out of relationship with Him. We long to get closer. We hear people talking about this. God, this isn't where I'm at. How do I get to that place? Should I tell you the secret? Give up. Give up trying to get there. Why? Because, he says, I passed by. And your time, your time, your time, your moment was a time of love. Not life. Love. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Um, that word sin is a multitude and the word is of missing the mark. Let me tell you, I heard um, Larry Randolph, he was speaking at Jeff Johnson's funeral a few weeks ago. And he said something that blessed me deeply in my heart. And I thought, Lord, so many of us are like this. You know, who would like to be a Billy Graham? Huh? Who would like to be a Catherine Coleman, a Mother Teresa, a Heidi Baker? You know, all of those things. And here we are, just Lord, it's just little old me, warts and all. And Larry Randolph said this: there are some people. That you gauge the impact of their life not by the length of the journey that they've traveled, but by the weight that they've carried. And, And what he meant was this. He meant there are some people that start way back from the starting line they don't seem to have the gifts they don't seem to have the recognition they stand way back from the starting line and so there are people who get to start before them anybody else like that and so by the time they come to the start line the others have already finished the marathon And they get to the start line and they think to themselves, well, what's the point in me starting this journey? But what you don't see, these are my words now, but what you don't see, huh? what you don't see is the obstacles that they've had to push out of the way. What you don't see are the things that have, come upon their lives that have burdened them that have weighed them down and still they keep making their way to that start line because they know they've been called to a purpose you see and some people when they get to heaven they're going to realize this God measures out to us the weight that we've carried, not the distance we've travelled. So never be, never be distracted by how far people have got to. Celebrate them. Cheer them. But also, let's celebrate. If you've carried a weight, if you've carried things that other people don't know, like the woman who carried the weight of her little boy. She hadn't celebrated Christmas in 25 years. But that year she did. That year she did. But you see, was she any less than the Mother Teresa's, the Heidi Baker's, Whoever we want to put our name there. But she carried this weight. Our light, momentary afflictions are working for us. A greater weight of glory. See, what are you carrying? What is it that you her? trying to with all your might push because you want to be part of the race well i've got great news glorious news you are part why because the king is passing by and it's a time of love whatever it is you know people today suffer great weights of mental illness and we we hear it banded and we hear it you know mental illness mental illness mental illness mental health mental health mental health and you get to a point where that can be like a huge weight on you and you can think god i don't know whether i can carry this anymore And other people are running on, leaping forward. This opportunity comes, that opportunity, that opportunity comes. And you get an opportunity. You can't take it up because of the mental anguish that you go through. And so it passes you by. And someone else runs past you. The king is passing by. I told you at the beginning, the king is in the field. Your field. Not somebody else's field. Your field. And you can feel in your field that you are on your own, abandoned, isolated, all those words, rejected, because it's your field. And other people sometimes can't come into your field because they don't know what your field is. But the king is in the field. And I want you to know that isn't just a little trite saying for Rosh Hashanah. When I read this this week, I thought, Lord, I've never seen I've never seen this field before I've never seen the field yes often you look at the little child needing adopting, bringing in rejected, bringing in, accepted all of those things and those are great truths but I've never seen this where even when we've come to a place of maturity, when we've come to a place where our lives should be fruitful, where we should be carrying glory upon our lives and in the end we're still there drenched and covered in the effects of sin upon our lives and God wants to come and that sin can be sickness disease infirmity everything that causes us to carry weight that we have to press through to break through to be part of what God is doing but I want you to know you're already part hallelujah you're already part so like I said earlier what do you need to do Stop doing it. Learn what it is to respond. To respond to his touch. When I feel the touch upon my life, of your hand upon my life, it causes me to say, I love you. And so from deep within, my spirit sings unto you, you are my God. You are my and I love you, Lord. That's all he's looking for. Your love's response to the king being in the field. Isn't that wonderful? Your field. Not somebody else's field. Your field. Whatever you're going through. He knows it. And so here, 10 minutes to tell you seven things that he's going to do, but it's glorious. You can pull all these things out in this passage yourself. Just like I did. Yourself. I'll just give you a starter. You'll be able to see what he's doing. The first thing he constantly says, hallelujah. The seven, I put it here, the seven works of grace. Do you know grace works? did you know grace works it really does work works hard how do I know that you've only got to see what God's done in my life grace does work his grace his grace worked in me that's what Paul said his grace was not without effect in my life see that's why response here you are seven things Later I pass by. This is when you're in that place of maturity. You've gone through that joy of life, but you come to a place of reality. Isn't that what life's like? That whole experience where you were walking on clouds. That sense of the presence of Jesus and then life takes over. Or am I the only one? Huh? Life takes over. Things happen. Weight comes. And you feel that where you could leap like the doe on the mountains, you feel as if your feet have been encased in concrete. And you, you try and... But your feet doesn't get off the ground. Life. Remember, a friend of mine once said to me, Trevor, I never knew what a mortgage was till I had one around my neck. <laughs> Life. Isn't that what it's like? All of those things. See, it takes its toll on us. See, your field, what's in your field? What is the field that you've been in that you cannot get out of? What is the field that you're kicking around in? That God says, I am passing by and I don't want you kicking around anymore. I want you to leap like a calf, released from the stalls for the first time. What does that look like? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you, you wouldn't believe what it looks like. I saw it once on my grandfather's farm we were up there and they'd had all the livestock in the stalls all through the winter and there came a point the bull was in the field it's always good to have a bull in the field when you let letting out all the calves out because you don't know where they're going to go well say the calves the the um the heifers and as they let them out so they started to go run through the field. They were clearing the hedges. They were taking out fences. And, uh, and, then, and then there was another bull that they had in the barn. And so they were letting him out too. And so they started to let him out. Well, you would realize that he picked up the scent. Why? They were at a time for love. and the picture of my granddad and uncle trying to tie a rope around a telegraph pole <laughs> to try and keep this bull from his business. <laughs> and Let me tell you, I saw that telegraph pole like this <laughs> pulled down. All communication stopped. <laughs> As I'm quite sure, I wasn't at that age where I'd know all these things, Then, but I'm quite sure, looking back now, he enjoyed himself the rest of the day. <laughs> Nothing will stop him coming into your field. And so here, listen to what it says. Later, I pass by. He's passing by. And when I looked at you, I saw that you were old enough for love. I spread the corner of my garment over you, and I covered you. I spread. Not you. I spread the corner. First one is this. I saved you. I pass by and I said live that's the first one that's what grace does causes you to live washes you cleanses you when no one else would look upon you God looks upon you first one is saved. the second one is I covered you and here it's not at the beginning with the edge of his garment that's when he saves us that's redemptive here it is royalty That's what he's doing. He's causing the intended bride to come into the place of being his queen. And so here, he, verse 10, listen to what it says. I clothed you with an embroidered dress. I clothed you. I put sandals on you. It's no longer you just hearing about live. It's now you carrying the message of the gospel. See, it's no longer you just receiving it. Now you become a communicator. So I covered you. Verse 9 it says, I bathed you with water and washed your blood from you. Can you see? he comes he saves us he then covers us but then he's washing us again Do you remember peter and jesus says to him took his apron off laid it aside took the bowl started to wash their feet and he says not mine lord not mine you're not going to wash my feet and jesus says if you don't allow me to wash your feet you have no part of me then he says "Lord, wash everything he in. No, you don't need everything washed You just need your feet. You just need the parts of your journey where you've become soiled. That's all. We make it such a big thing. We don't understand sin. You can't understand sin until you know the holiness of God. And let me tell you, only God knows what holiness really is. And so he's the one who can reach down to us in our sin. Only he can, because he knows what we could be. We don't. And so he washes them. You see, so often we're trying to wash ourselves, and God says, but let me clothe you. Let me cover you. Let me cover you so that here I can now give and release the beauty treatments. So we're back into Esther. Do you remember Esther? She was six months with beauty treatments. See, that's what this is a picture of. And it says here that I covered you. And as he, let me just get it. I I washed you with your blood and I put ointments on you. God is wanting to put his beauty treatments upon your life. And as he does that, he says, and I clothed you. See, he comes to clothe us. What does he clothe us in? He clothes us in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Why does he do that in order that we can be crowned? That is the mark of us coming to a place of royalty and authority. And he says, and I put a beautiful crown on your head, So you were adorned. See, God's crowning is to adorn us. It's not to expose us. It's not to cause us to look at our shame. But it's caused us to look at his work of grace in our lives. Meditate over these verses. Allow God to so speak to your heart. And then he commissions. Isn't God good? He commissions us with no matter how much weight we have been carrying. doesn't matter how far we've got. He comes and he commissions us so that, he says, and your fame spread throughout the entire earth. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Tell this good news to every creature. Hallelujah. See, that's always God's. End where we don't keep it to Himself, ourselves. Thank you, Lord. Just respond in your heart this morning. Your field. What's your field like? What's your field like where you become alone? we can be in a crowd and still be alone we can be in a church building like this and still feel alone can't we your field Jesus wants to come into your field Father, I just pray this morning for everyone who's responding to your love, to you passing by, to this time of love. Thank you, Lord, that you brought them out of a place of being isolated, a place where they felt alone, a place, Lord, where for so long there has been no one. Thank you, Lord, that today there is someone whose arm is not short that it cannot save the Lord Jesus and Father I ask that you would love us back to life again to just receive it just receive his love this morning allow it to come gushing into your life let his healing come this morning believe there is this healing here this morning. Let it come, Lord. Just touch people. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, Why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.